Jesus. Anybody set free because of Jesus today? Come on, fam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks for being here. If you're joining us online at a Prosper Campus, uh, welcome and thank you for being here and joining us in worship. I want you to stand. I want to read uh, a portion of scripture, if you don't mind. So let's stand and let's read the word of the Lord. We're looking at uh, Colossians chapter 1 is what we're going to read, but we're in Colossians chapter 2. So I want you to, um, if you don't mind, uh, read it with me. This is a portion of scripture we're supposed to be memorizing as a family because it answers the big four questions in life. Uh, when you go to uh, college, your first year of college, uh, the philosophy class, they're trying to answer these four big existential, big questions of life. Um, who am I? Why am I here? What's wrong with the world? How do you fix it? This passage answers all four, which is why you need to know it and you need to memorize it. And so our, our challenges throughout this whole series is for us to read it and read it so often that it becomes a part of our memory. So everybody read it aloud with me. If you're at, at home, I want you to stand at home too, just to focus you a little bit. And I want you to read it with us as well. Okay, here we go. Let's read the word of the Lord together. Everybody together in him. We have redemption the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. That is the specially honored first and only son over all creation. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. It says, all things were created for him. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning he is the firstborn from the dead in everything. He is preeminent. Say that two more times. In everything, he is preeminent. Last time. In everything, he is preeminent. Come over here now. That is why he's supposed to be at the center of your world. And everything else is attached to it. And everything else is driven by what Jesus thinks about work, about life, about marriage, about family, about music, about money, about entertainment. He is preeminent. He is over. He is sovereign. And your job it is to surrender to his sovereignty. So you are following his guidelines, not yours or the world's. Can I get a witness one community? Here's what he says. Verse 19 continues. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He reconciles all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven. He makes peace by the blood of his cross. That is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, stay standing, and then afterwards we'll be seated. Father, thank you for today. I pray that you will lift now the words of your holy book off the pages. Write it on our hearts. May it inspire us. May it remind us 
may it lift us so that we will be sure to do what it says. Lead us now in a transformational experience that happens in the heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Look at, hold on, hold on, before you sit, look at the person next to you and say, what's up? That's it. Then you can sit down. <laughs> what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Let me tell you a little story about my family. My wife always dreamed about um, uh, growing up. She always dreamed about uh, marrying a um, a thug. And so every opportunity I get to be a thug, I try to be one. What's up? <laughs> Don't you like how God works sometimes? Woo! All right, let's jump in. That was just for... Um, humor's sake. Let's see if we can jump into the word of the Lord today. Um, whenever, whenever you put a, a carrot in uh, boiling water, it goes from being hard to soft. The environment changes the carrot. Whenever you, whenever you put an egg in hot boiling water, over time, it goes from being soft to hard. The environment changes the egg. Whenever you put a coffee bean in the middle of hot boiling water, the bean changes the environment. What the Apostle Paul is about to tell us all is that he wants you to live your life in such a way that when you go to work, when you go to school, wherever you go, the environment does not change you, you change He's already told us about doctrine, Colossians chapter 1. And he says, you need to know who God is because he's answered some of the questions that you, that you long to seek answers for. So question like, who, who am I? God says who you are. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Chapter 1 tells you what you're supposed to do. Chapter 1 also tells you what's wrong with the world. It's not outside, it's inside. And then chapter 1 also tells you, in light of that, how do you fix it? And you fix it when all men come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. In light of that, in light of that, he now goes to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he's about to tell you, chapter 1 is doctrine, chapter 2 is the danger of false teaching. And so if you're not careful, you will, you will, the Bible's going to tell you in a moment, if you're not rooted, if you're not firmly planted in the Word of God, then you will be like a jellyfish that simply gets tossed through and fro by the waves of the culture that comes across your heart and your mind. He is in, he is in essence saying, you better know the word of God for yourself. Because if you do not, the culture will captivate your heart and mind and allow you to drift. And here's what the culture is after. They don't like Jesus being in the center of your heart. They don't like Jesus having this much influence over you. So they're going to suggest that you add something to Jesus. That Jesus alone shouldn't be in the center of anybody's heart. So they want to add something to it. And we're going to talk about what the culture is trying to add 
back to you. Oh, it's going to be all right tonight. It's going to be all right. Some of you might walk out, but I'm good. You can walk out. But I'm going to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth about how the culture is trying to add something to Jesus and why you and I oftentimes, without even knowing it, allow it to start to seep in. And by the way, if you're not in your word, and if you're not studying your word, then it's already seeped all the way in. And you don't even know it. So let's see what he has to say to us. Colossians chapter 2. He's talking about the dangers of false teaching, of heresy, of, of the philosophies of men that seek to infiltrate the church. And therefore let you shift Jesus from the center. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. Let's pick it up and let's see what he has to say. This, by the way, is the first imperative, the first command that he's going to give you in the book. All In chapter 1 all the way to chapter 2 verse 5, he's been telling you and teaching us about who God is. First time now, you now have an imperative, a command that he wants you to follow. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, here's the first one, so walk in him. Say that with me two times, fam. So walk in him. One more time. Everybody together. So walk in him. Since you receive him, can you please walk in him? Since you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, can you please walk in him? Here's all that means. All that means is wherever you go, Jesus goes with you. That's what it means. It means, hey man, I need some coffee real quick. So you're going to get some coffee and you're going to put some coffee in here. Now, here's the problem when you put coffee in here. You put some coffee in here. Some of you put so much coffee, you don't have room for Jesus. And so what end up happening to you is now you just live your life because you don't have no room for Jesus. But Jesus says, here's what happens when you get saved. You got, you, you got some stuff. And then Jesus says, you're now in me. Now, let me remind you of what that means. That means wherever you go, Jesus goes with you. That means you can't separate the two no more. That's good news for somebody. That means you can have a plum fool, and the only question is, well, you're really saved. But if you are saved, then you still can't get rid of Jesus because that's called eternal security, which means he loves you regardless of what you do. Now, that don't mean he's not going to discipline you. That don't mean he's not going to chastise you. That don't mean he's not going to get you to act the way he wants you to act, one way or the other. Here's the good news, though. But he says, once you're in me, ain't nobody can separate the two no more. Somebody ought to give God praise for that. He says, I want you to walk in me now, which means wherever you go, he's with you. So when you, when you try to steal, he's with you. When you try to act a plum fool, he's with you. When you try to rob the government of their taxes, he's with you. <laughs> Wherever you go, he is with 
you. Your assignment then is to know God. When you're with me, what are you trying to do? Well, he told you last week. He says, I now want you to show off my excellences. I want you to show the world what I look like now that I live inside of you. You're here not for yourself anymore. You're now here to show the world what Jesus would do if he showed up in the situation you find yourself today. He says, wherever you are, that's where I am. Therefore, walk in me. Say it with me, everybody. Walk in me. That's not what we did last week. Last week, you did your thing, and then when you were tired and couldn't do it anymore, then you tap in for Jesus. He says, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to walk in me. So he continues, because he's going to now show you how to pull that off. Here's what he says. He tells you in the next verse. He says, here's how I want you to pull it off. He says, having been, number one, firmly rooted. In other words, he's saying, I want you to be firmly rooted in me. Number two, he says, now being built up in me. Number three, he says, established in your faith. He wants you to do three things as you walk in him. Be firmly rooted, be built up in him, and established in your faith. Lord have mercy. Let me help you out, family. The reason why other people can come and, and, and take you away or let you put something else in the space of Jesus is because a lot of people want to defend the faith when they don't know the faith. A lot of you want to be apologists and want to tell people, yeah, well, here's why I believe in Jesus. But all somebody got to do is give you three little verses that you never heard before. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I never saw that before. That's because you're not rooted in the word of God. No, let me tell you how you don't get rooted. You don't get rooted by just watching three sermons online on YouTube or on Facebook. Talking about, I know the word because I saw somebody else, my favorite preacher, help me out. And I love that. No, you get rooted when you know the word of God for yourself based on time you spend with Jesus by yourself in the closet. Ain't nobody else there but you and Jesus. And that's not something that happens once a year. That's something that happens daily because you want to hang out with him he says be firmly rooted because if you're not then when they bring their philosophies you're going to be deceived and when you are it ain't going to be nobody else's fault but yours which is why as churches we got to realize that we can't just give you what you want to hear it ain't just about you anymore. There is a spiritual war going on and you got to know what the word of God says so you can walk it out. That's why it's not just about, it's not just about you, you yelling and screaming and dancing and running laughs and, and speaking in tongues and do them thing. They will run circles around you and the people that want to capture your attention, they know the Bible more than you know it. Because they're not fooling around with the running laps. They're trying to say, let's know this word. And we still got Christians talking about, well, I don't like that sermon because it don't have nothing to do with me. Sometimes it don't have to have nothing to do with you. Sometimes it should just have to do everything with God and not you. Since he's supposed to be the center. Anyways, so he says... Number one, you got to be rooted, you got to be built up, and you got to establish just, watch this now, just as you were instructed. Here we go. How do I know, listen, 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 fam. How do I know if, I was rooted, if I'm rooted, built up, and established? Because you will be overflowing with gratitude. <laughs> Let me explain, because some of you don't get it. Be don't clap yet, don't clap yet, don't clap yet. 
That's why when you go to work and somebody get the promotion that you thought you had and you know you better than them, but they didn't get the promotion. The reason, the reason you can chill when they get it is because you know God's up to something else. So you don't have to, you don't have to worry like those who have no hope. Your assignment is to say, God, well, let me get a front row seat because I know that you up to something. Cause if I didn't get that, that means you got something else for me. I can't wait to see what this going to be. So I'm chilling. They say, you're not mad, man. The, my boss don't control this thing. My king of kings control this thing. So I am mad at what my boss do because I know, listen, and I can appeal to the person who is above him. Or her. So God, let me see how you're going to work this out. I don't care if it take me a year. I know you up to something. And I'm going to, I'm going to settle, scoot on up so I can see what you up to. You see, when you start fussing and cussing, talking about you in the cussing ministry, when you start cussing and fussing because you didn't get what you want and you deserve this and you ain't happy no more, that's because you don't know all that God has done. You see, that's because you're looking in the here and now. But when you know that not only has he saved you, he has delivered you. When you've been through something and you know God's the one that brought you through that. When you know that he's forgiven you of your past sins, your current sins, and the ones you haven't even committed yet. When you know he hung all of those sins on the cross and he's taking care of you. A little job promotion ain't going to bend you out of shape because you know you got a God that's been so good to you. So while everybody else is, is huffing and puffing, you chilling because you can't wait to see what he's going to do next. That's why you're overflowing with gratitude. That's why you're overflowing with gratitude. That's why you, the spirit that you walk around with is one of joy. That's why your life is supposed to be unexplained apart from Jesus. So you don't get fussed and you don't get mad over little things because you know what God has done in your life. The text continues. It says, verse 8, here's what it says. It says, here we go now. Y'all ready? Here we go. Put your seatbelt on. Here we go. Now he says, I want you to see to it. If that's true, you're walking in him by being rooted, established in your faith. In light of that, now I want you to daily, see to it daily, that no one takes you. Say that word with me, everybody. See to it that no one takes you captive. What does that word captive mean? Let me give you uh, some more words that might help uh, uh, explain it to you in a picturesque way. Uh, Make sure no one takes, make sure no one kidnaps you. Make sure no one seduces you. Make sure no one deceives you. Make sure no one takes you as a slave. Here's what he's saying. I want you to daily see to it. That your mind's protected, your heart's protected, and no one is trying to take you captive. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do nothing, if you're not, if all you do is come to church and you're not reading your word for yourself and you're not reading that every day, then they're, they're already taking you captive. Here's what he says. See, do I know one takes you? How, how are they going to do this, Paul? How are they going to do it? Paul's in a jail cell writing this book. And he says, make sure nobody takes you captive. How are they going to do it? Through philosophy. Through empty deception. Through according to the tradition of men. Let me say that three times. According to the tradition of men in the Eastern world. According to the tradition of men in the African American world. According to the tradition of men in the European world. According to the tradition of men. See to it that they don't take you captive. He continues. According to the, here's what they are. Elementary principles of the world. Here we go. Rather... 
than according to Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, this world is trying to remove Christ from the center of it all. They're doing everything to do it. They will come up with a new idea to make sure they are removing Christ from the center. They, they know you're smart, so they're not just going to say, rip him out. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to say, well, it's Jesus plus something. Do you see how subtle that is? Well, you need Jesus, but you also need these other things too. Well, you need Jesus, but you need some other things to help you get clarity. Well, you need Jesus, but you need some other things to help you get healing. Well, it's Jesus, but you need some other things. Do you see what I'm saying, fam? That's what they are after. They're not just going to rip Jesus out of the center. They know you're too smart for that. They're going to try to get you to add something to it. The church gathered at Colossae. They were trying to add a couple things. Look at your notes now. Go to your notes and let me show you what they were trying to add. Church gathered at Colossae. We're trying to add four different things. They're saying, well, uh, Gnosticism, on the first part of your notes, you'll see. They're trying to add Gnosticism. That means, hey, well, you need a little more wisdom. You need Jesus plus a little secret society. That's what they're saying. All right. The next one, they said, well, you need Jewish ceremonialism. So you need Jesus, but you also need a little bit of ceremony. Because if you don't have this, then you can't get fully all of God on your side. Number three. They needed angel worship because it's not just Jesus, but you got to get to Jesus and you got to get to Jesus through these worshiping of angels. So it's not just Jesus. They wanted to add something. And then they said asceticism, asceticism which means it's this idea of, well, you need to, you need to kind of get away and need to kind of have these little, this way that you think and you get away from everybody else and it's just you and Jesus. And if you don't do that, then you're not going to get the fullness of Jesus. All they were trying to do is add something to Jesus. Every generation will try the same thing. The question is, what are they for this generation? That's the question. But I want to read a little further down so you know how to be rooted. So then when we get to these are the four for that culture, I'm going to give you nine, count them, nine ways in which today the culture is trying to get you to add to Jesus. But let's read down the further in the text a little bit to get there. Go all the way down to verse number thir- uh, 12, 12 and 13. Verse number 12 says this. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, let me show you what happens to you when you know Jesus. Next verse, verse 13. This is in your notes. I want to show you the five things that happen. You... When you were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised of your flesh, here's what he did. You couldn't help yourself. You were dead. Here's what Jesus did, which is why he's in the center. He, not you, he didn't need any help. He made you, number one, alive. He did it. You didn't do nothing. He did it all. Together with him, having, here's how he did it, forgiven us all for all transgressions. Next verse. And having canceled, that's the word you need to write in your notes, canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. Here's how he did it. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Here's what Jesus did for all of us. Look at your notes. Let's walk down this staircase. He says, number one, the reason you're alive today, the only reason, is because he has forgiven you of your sins. 
He has forgiven you. The only reason he could have done that is because he had to cancel the debt so the father could have a relationship with you. The reason he did that is because he had to set aside your mess and nail it to the cross. I need you to see the only way you got to be alive is because he had to nail it to the cross on which he hung. Therefore, the reason you ought to be in the center and stay in the center and it's not Jesus plus nothing is because you wouldn't even be alive yet for Jesus. Now, what are the implications of that now? And why is it everybody is trying to take Jesus out of the center? That's what I want to talk about. So now, look on the right-hand side of your handout, and I'm going to show you the modern-day substitutes. The modern-day substitutes. In other words, I'm going to show you uh, nine things that people try to add to Jesus to make it Jesus plus something else. For you to be healthy, for you to be physically strong, for you to have energy, for you to have peace, they're going to add something to it, and I'm going to show you. Now, before I get there, before I get there, this is harder to talk now. Before I get there, I need you to realize something. There's some of you that are going to be, there's some of you that are going to use some of the things I'm going to talk about. And here's my point. There might not be anything wrong with, with using some of these, but it's wrong when you make it the ultimate. What we're talking about is when you go and make it, when you replace Jesus. Or when he says Jesus plus this. Number two. There's some of you in here, um, a part of our, our non-African American community. I just want you, some of you to sit back and just enjoy a history lesson as we walk through these and how they're trying to influence us. This is huge, which is why I thought I had to address it in our talk today. And, and then there's some of you that are going to get offended. They're going to say, how dare you try to, oh, 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 no, you did. And I'm going to be very fine with you walking out as well. You will not offend me on today because I got Bible on my side. So here we go. Let's see. All right. So we're going to talk about all nine. And they're not fun to talk about, but we're going to talk about them. If you're ready, say amen. Let's go. No, that's not too many of y'all. If you're ready, say let's go. Here we go. Number one, right in your face. Um, Christianity is a white man's religion. <laughs> Christianity is a white man's religion. What do you mean? Why, why is that important? The argument from some is that Christianity is simply um, a white man's tool to keep us ignorant and to control us, and to maintain us powerless. That's what they argue. That's what they will argue. And many people, Christians, have walked away from the faith because of that. So let me dismantle it real quick, show you where it comes from, and then show you why it makes absolutely no sense. Let me give you their argument first. Their argument is, European colonialist went to Africa manipulated and used the Bible to suppress people for their own interest so since we don't want white people to keep suppressing us listen now we have to attach Christianity and how they misused it with all their atrocities to highlight it so that people stop letting Jesus and Christianity control them. 
That's the argument. And a lot of people have bought into it. Atrocities, yes. Manipulated the word, yes. Used it for their own personal, wicked, self-centered interests. All of that's true. That's, and it was 100% wrong, and it's atrocities is 100% wrong. But let me help you out. Christianity was alive and well way before European colonialism. So just because they manipulated and used it for the wrong reason don't mean you wipe Jesus out. It means you deal with that and its root and its wickedness and its atrocity. But you don't dare say that before European colonialism, Christianity was now alive, well, and flourishing all over the world. So since you don't believe me, let me help you out. Number one. There are more Christians today that are not white than they are white Christians. 300, over 300 million of them in Africa, over 700, over 77 million of them, listen, in the underground church in China. So don't be telling me that it's all about, it's all about white people, it's all about white people. Listen, family, you gotta know your history. Let me give you another one. Number two, let me help you out. Some of the church fathers that helped shape all of Christianity were black. So let me help you out. All I got to do is talk about the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian eunuch who got saved. That was way before European colonialism. And yet still you want to make this look like, well, you know, they're just trying to control. But no, no, that's, that's, that's one era that did something bad and we need to deal with that. But let's not, let's not, let's not tarnish all of Christianity because of a few people that did it for selfish reasons. But let me help you out because some of you still don't believe it. So let me show you. Um, in the African American community, let me just help you out real quick. They have been uh, four, it's more than four, but I'm only going to give you four. Four major church fathers that are responsible for the way we view the Bible today. And they weren't just white. They were from North Africa. So let me help you out. Tertullian was one. Origen was two. Um, August, Augustine was three. All of which have influenced us and influenced the way we view things. So let's, let's talk about the Tertullian. You know what he's responsible for? You see the whole word Trinity? Uh, you know, God, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. They're all one, but three in the form of three distinct. Where do you think he comes from? That comes from him. He, he's the one that coins it. He coins it in like, in like 185. A North African did that. The way you talk about the Trinity today, because of him. Let me get another one. Uh, origin. You know what he came up with? This idea of, um, of um, biblical exegesis. When you go to the text and you break down the text and you break it down based on its hermeneutic, based on each word and it's in its context and the original language. And you turn it upside down to see what the context meant and what the word actually meant in that context. You know where that comes from? Not a white person but a North African. Yeah, um, um, uh, 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 Augustine. You, you, you know who shaped most of Western thought 
with reference to how you think about God and theology? Somebody from Egypt. So, so then don't, don't use your little philosophy to get African Americans in particular to want to denounce Jesus because of bad actors. It runs much deeper than that for the glory of God. And by the way, by the way, this is where you could go off now. Don't just then blame Christianity. Look at everybody else and the motives behind what they do as well. But all I'm trying to establish today is Christianity was fully flourishing way before European colonialism. But what you have to understand is that part of the agenda is they need to get rid of Jesus because Jesus has too much influence. And if we don't get rid of Jesus, then we can't get to control their minds. Here's where they want you to go. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. That sounds like the book of Judges to me. That's where the one you get to. You don't have to have anybody tell you anything. You do you. That's where this is all going. Because they got to rip Jesus out. Because they don't want Jesus to be central. They want to rip him out. So what they do is then they, 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 they attack it. Knowing you hate all the atrocities with slavery. But they attach it to your emotions of slavery. To get you to question Jesus. In light of that. Oh, you better preach, pastor. Say it. I'm doing the best I can. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. That's just one. I got eight more. So here we go. Woo. Now, now, here's the problem. If you don't talk about this, then it simply captures you over time. And they play with your emotions to get there. They play with your fears and your hurt to get there. Just like number two, ancestry. And somebody say ancestry. <laughs> ancestry. This, all this is, is where what they seek to do, come on over here now. What they seek to do with ancestry is they seek for you to get to know your past and for you to connect with your past so that your past will give you guidance in the future. Watch this now. Now again, nothing wrong with trying to know your past. Nothing wrong with that. Everything wrong when you try to know your past because you think it can do something Jesus can't do. I want you to follow the trend of thought. Nothing wrong with trying to know, hey, where, where we come from? What's up? Let me know all that. That's fine. But when you're trying to learn it so you can know, connect with the past and get their spirit to tell you where you should go in the future. Because here's what they're trying to convince you. That you don't need to be religious. You just need to be spiritual. And if you're going to be spiritual, then let's just connect to the spirit of our ancestors and use that spirit to guide us into what our purpose and mission ought to be. That's because they want to say Jesus plus something. And if you're not careful, easily you can get caught up into looking to something else 
for your own purpose. When Colossians 1 says you were created by him and you were created for him. When, when you need to know what you were created for, you don't go to your ancestors. You go to Jesus and say, what's the purpose that you have created me for? No, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can't learn lessons from what happened in the past and then see to build on that. Of course you can. But when you want to know your ultimate purpose, you don't go to an ancestor. You go to Jesus. And it's written in his word of God. Let's go. Number three. My time is going, so I got to go quickly. Ah, Number three. This one you're not going to like either. Woo! This one's tough, but I'm going to talk about it. Number three is... The Hebrew Israelites. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me not go there yet. Hold on. I got one more before I go there. I got one more before I go there. That is why you must, on ancestry, that is why you must be careful who you listen to and what songs you listen to. Oh, their songs, popular songs by famous, famous people that you listen to. Now, here's the problem with you. The problem with you is, you really ain't listening to the words. You just love the beat. You just love the beat. That's your problem. You just love, ooh, yeah, something going in your soul when you hear the, oh, oh. Uh Uh-huh. That's my jam right there. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're slipping in philosophies because they know you're going to love the beat. But my concern is really not you. My concern is your kids that's watching you. Because at least, at least you have some rootedness in the word. But the next generation behind you, they watch you and they watch you. Hey, hey. And, 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 and they're watching that, but you really not taking in the words. You really just love the beat. But that generation is saying, ooh, okay, I love the beat. And I love the philosophy that they are purporting. So all of a sudden, you thought, no, I mean, I mean, the kids are cool because it's just the beat and we love the beat. But now they're saying, uh-uh, I love the beat, but I like their philosophy. So I'm going to embrace their philosophy, which is why they're going to tell you, I don't want Jesus. I just want to be spiritual. Because that's the philosophy being purported by the most influential people in Hollywood. So be careful what you model. Because for you, you're going to go here, and the next generation is going to take it up four levels. Number three, number three, number three, number three. The Hebrew Israelite. Let's talk about them for a moment. The Hebrew Israelite. Lord have mercy. Let me tell you about my Hebrew Israelite friends. Y'all ready? You sure? There are three groups of them. Which is why you have to be careful when you talk about Hebrew Israelites because there are three groups of them. So there's one group uh, that's very Christocentral. But then there are other two groups that are not. So let me, let me give you the three. Number one is um, uh, black Jews who maintain a Christological perspective and adopt Jewish rituals. Group number two, black Hebrews who are traditional in their practice of Judaism. Number three, the one that's the most concerning is black Israelites 
who are most nationalistic and furthest from the traditional Judaism. Let me tell you what nationalistic means. It means they want to raise up a group of um, African and now African Americans that are primarily, primarily believe that black is the strongest power and that God has chosen black people and black people only to be the primary influencer and everybody else, we're not even sure if they're going to heaven. Now think about that for a moment. Isn't that doing to our European colonialists exactly what they did to us? Isn't it? And yet still, they're trying to appeal to your sense of black pride to then invite you into something that you know not of. And here's why they win, by the way, because they know the Bible better than most Christians. That's the issue. They know the Bible better than most Christians. So when, when they start waxing eloquently, biblically, most of them be like, oh, because you're clueless biblically, and now you got to go, okay, Siri, um, what is a... Uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 68. Come here. Let me show you what they, let me show you what they hang on. Deuteronomy 28, 68. The Lord will bring you back to Egypt in ships. By the way, about which I spoke to you. You will never see it again. And there you will offer yourself for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But there will be no buyer. So they're saying, when African Americans came over from Africa, it was this group that was now God's chosen people. And they used that verse to prove it. And so if you don't know how they think, what they believe, then you'll simply go along with the argument and then find yourself in a place that you never intended to be. Ladies and gentlemen, again, all I'm trying to do is make us aware so that we know what's going on behind the scenes. Because here's the full argument. Say it with me. It's Jesus plus... One more time. Is Jesus? That's it. Number four. Wokeism. Wokeism. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wokeism. Let's talk about wokeism real quick, everybody. Here's all. Wokeism is what? When I first started this series, I talked about secular humanism. Today, I want to talk about wokeism and why it's even more deadly than secular humanism. Let me help you. This is so important. This idea of I'm going to be woke. I'm going to be woke. I'm going to be woke. And so you start out like this. Um, you know, you start out around the same cause. Yeah, I, that's just wrong, man. That shouldn't happen. And all this all your stuff. Yeah, that shouldn't. Yeah, man. That shouldn't happen. And before now, now you got like, now you got like, now you got like a thousand people around. Now you be like, yeah, let's take that down. Yeah, yeah. And before you know it, you height about something, a part of it that you agree with. But they have a bigger agenda that you know not of. Which is why you got to be careful. Which is why they say, see to it that they don't captivate and capture you. Wokeism. It's far more effective than secularism ever could be. 
It fills a God-sized hole in our culture. Listen, it claims its own interpretation. This is the part you need to be aware of. Its own interpretation of justice, righteousness, sin, and forgiveness. Not the Bible's, its own. It determines what sin is. It determines what righteousness is. It determines what justice is. Followers, listen, find meaning in the in their ultimate goal of dismantling um, power structures to create their own utopian community. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is appropriate sometimes to dismantle some power structures. But you don't get to determine what that is. You got to go back to the word of God to see what God's word says. Because if you don't, you're going to agree on one thing and then they're going to expand it to something else. And you didn't intend to go that far. Which is why you got to watch wokeism. Nothing wrong in identifying structures that need to be dismantled. Everything wrong when you get to determine what's right and what's wrong every time. No, when you do that, here's what you're saying. I don't need an objective standard of truth. I'll determine my own truth. When you do that, you say, Jesus, you're not in the middle anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. And before long, this will overshadow, and that's not the cross, that's plus. This will overshadow that. Some talking about, oh, yeah, the cross, let's go. No, it's a plus sign. If it was the cross, it would be up here, okay? It's a plus sign. <laughs> number five, come on, I gotta go, number five, number five, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. All right, number five. Waste beads. Some of you don't even know what that means. You'll be like, what? What is that? Waste beads. Waste beads. Waste beads. Remember, remember, you're looking to something for the hope you should really find in Jesus. Let's talk about it. Waste beads. Waste beads. Waste beads. Waste beads are when inherited symbolizes a health, healthy life and growth. It's desire is that you get it and you keep it on the body to keep it intact, to connect you to something spiritual. Let me explain. So they have different colors. Green means prosperity, hope, harmony, healing, ripening, generous and humble. Red, self-confidence, vitality, sexual energy, passion and courage. Yellow, wisdom, knowledge, clarity, increasing awareness and calming nerves. Blue means knowledge, healing, peace, truth, harmony. A cooling color symbolizes faith, devotion and insight. Do you see? So now instead of looking to Jesus for hope, you look to a bead. Instead of looking to Jesus for courage, you look to the red bead. Instead of looking to Jesus for wisdom, you now look to the yellow bead. All they're trying to teach you is you need Jesus plus something. And whenever you make that something the ultimate thing, it's now an idol. And God doesn't play when you erect idols around him. Let's go to the next one. The next one. The next one is the, some of you use this all the time. The next one is the chakras. If you're into any kind of Eastern philosophy, these right here, chakras, this, that's what yoga is the basis of. Acupuncture, all of it. Now, remember, 
Some of you go, don't touch that, don't touch that, Pastor. Don't touch that, 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 don't touch that. And I'm not doing it to laugh at anything. Here's all I'm saying. When you make it the ultimate, that you find peace only from doing this, that you find peace only from making sure all the circles are aligned in the body. When you are looking to that more than you're looking to Jesus, you have erected an idol and you're adding something to Jesus. No problem. My, my wife does yoga and she enjoys it, but she's not looking to it to save her. She's not looking to it for feeling better. She's not looking to it as it is the thing that will provide me the things I need to feel good about myself. That's not what she's doing. She's doing it for exercise, and she's doing it to lose weight, and she's doing it for everything else. But she's not looking to it as a God. All I'm trying to suggest is be careful you're not adding something when you really should be spending some time with Jesus. Can I get a witness now? Can I get a witness? All right. I know you ain't going to hear this too many places, but that's why I'm telling you. In the name of Jesus. Next one. Burning sage and smudging. Ooh. Burning sage and such. Here's what this one represents. It comes out of the Native American environment, and it's for healing energy. You use it when you're blessing a home. You use it to ward off evil spirits. You use it for illness, and you use it to encourage positivity. What's the goal? The goal is you need it so evil won't follow you. Are you kidding me right now? Listen, you might not use it. Listen, but the generation behind us, they live in it. And you better be aware of what they're living in. Again, the issue is not that you use sage. The issue is that you're looking to it to do something that only God can do. That's all I'm trying to help. Don't get mad. Don't be like, I can't stand him. No, he didn't. Ah, ah. <laughs> all right, number eight, all of y'all know. Mm-hmm. Some of you looked at it this morning before you wouldn't even come to church. But you looked at it this morning and said, oh yeah, oh yeah, you're going to go somewhere and you're going to receive this good news. And you ran up to church. Well, maybe it's church. After this, you're going to go to a restaurant. Maybe it's a restaurant. After this, you're going to go to an old boyfriend's house. Maybe it's his house. I'm going to get something new. And you're running all over. Trying to get something. And you're going to run run straight into something, all right? You're sure are. There's some of you that won't leave the house unless you check your sign on what they have to say to you today. There's some of you that read your signs more than you read the Bible. There's some of you that believe it more than you believe the word. And all it's designed to do is to help you. And here's what you're doing. You're saying, Jesus plus. Don't you ever forget what they're trying to do. They're ultimately trying to get Jesus out and let the plus stand by itself. Be careful. Christians, believers that are not rooted, say stuff like, yeah, you know, my name is this and I'm a Capricorn. (laughs) How about my name is this and I'm a child of God? (laughs) Depending on zodiac signs like, like it saved you. The next time the bottom fall out, run to one of them. Run, just go straight to it and say, sign, will you please save me today? Chakras, will you please save me today? 
Run. The next time the bottom falls out, you can't believe it. The next time somebody in your family passes, run to one of them and say, will you please help me? You know why you go to Jesus? Because you know what he did for you on the cross. And you know since he's done it before, he can do it again. Last one. Last one is crystals, 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 crystals. Why do we use them? For healing purposes. It is the utilization of the supernatural influences, powers that are normally hidden from regular physical senses. What are they trying to do? They're trying to tell you, you got to go to this to get some extra power that Jesus right now don't have. That's what they're trying to suggest. You got to go to that because Jesus don't have it. So you got to go to that. Okay, now. Let me see if I can land the plane and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I want you to go because there's a church very similar to one community church. There's a church in the Bible that Jesus talked to. And I think he'd have the same thing to say to us today. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Let's pick it up in verse 2. Here's what he says. First of all, he's complimenting the church. So watch what he says. He says, I know your deeds and your Torah and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. Next verse, verse 3. It says, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. He's complimenting the church at Ephesus. Well done, church at Ephesus. You have fought the good fight. You're running. You're not weary. You're bringing me glory and I'm proud of you. Well done church at Ephesus. Next verse. That's what he says. But I have this against you. That you have, finished it with me everybody, left your that's what I have against you. you. It's not that you don't love him. Oh you love him all right. But you have left your first love. In other words, you have decided that, 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 that he is not absolute priority. Let me say it the way it's in your notes. Go to your notes, everybody. Here's what you said. God desires relational priority, not programmatic scheduling. We know how to schedule God. You schedule God to be at church today. You schedule God to maybe look at prayer tomorrow morning. You schedule, you know how to do that. But he's not concerned about your programmatic and what you do programmatically. He's concerned about relationally, is he your priority? He's concerned, are you spending time with me? The only way you know a best friend is because you spend the time with your best friend. So he wants to know, are you spending time with me? He's, he's accusing this church of, I'm no longer your best friend. You've got something that you love more. For Collin County, it's usually your kids. For Collin County, it's usually your money. For Collin County, it's usually the house and the cars and the stuff that you have. That you've fallen in love with it and you look at that more than you look at the word of God. And he's saying, this is the one thing I have against you. You have left your first love. So how do we get it back? Verse 5. Here we go. Three things. All these are in your notes. How do you get it back? Number one, you have to remember. Remember what, pastor? Remember from where you're fallen. Number two, you have to repent. What does repent mean? Notice, he treats when you have forgotten your first love, he treats us as a sin and demand that you ask him to forgive you for that. It's not just, oh yeah, you kind of slipped him over to the left. No, no, no. It's a sin. And we need to confess that and then embrace him again. That's what he's suggesting. So number one, you have to remember um, where you've fallen from. Number two, you have to repent. And then number three, you have to repeat. That is, do the deeds you did at first. You remember when you first got saved? 
you couldn't handle it. You were, you were reading so much Bible, 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 because you just love Jesus. You couldn't believe what he did for you. You couldn't believe that he saved you. You couldn't believe that you weren't going to hell no more. You couldn't believe that he, he, he gave you a relationship with the Father. And you were like, oh, tell me more. Give me, where should I start? Okay, what else should I do? And you're in the word all the time. You're around people that felt like you. And then you started drifting over time. And then you started adding stuff over time. And then all of a sudden you found yourself programming God in your schedule and not having a personal relationship with him. Uh, let, let, let me see if I can close with this. Um, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls. But don't go on the American side. Go on the Canadian side. If you go on the Canadian side, when you go, uh, first thing you usually do is you go to a hotel. You, you go to the hotel, you open up the windows, and guess what you see there? The power, the majesty, the incredible, um, beautiful picture of the Niagara Falls. And you can see it in the distance. And it's beautiful. And you be like, wow, you're awestruck just at nature and how this thing goes. And when you hear the crushing waves going all the way down, you are blown away. That's one way to experience the Niagara Falls. There's another way, though. If you go on the Canadian side, there's a park right by the falls. And so when you go to that falls and you go to the park, go to the park and you kind of watch it, but now you're, re you're like right there. You can see it. Now some of the mist is all falling on your face and you'll be like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. And you get blown away by it. Oh, but there's a third way. Oh, there's a third way. But that way, you got to get a raincoat and you got to get an umbrella. It's called the Maid of the Mist. It's a boat that you go on. But now you're not looking at it from the distance. You're right in it. And you go in the boat, and it gets closer and closer to the falls, and now you're getting drenched, and all of you is getting drenched, and you be like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this in all of my life. Can I tell you what God's saying to us today? There are too many Christians that have settled with viewing God from the hotel. We're just looking at him for the whole sense of, wow, he's great. Wow, he's wonderful. Wow, wow, look at God. And you're viewing him from a distance. And then there's some Christians who, you know, I want Jesus, but I really don't want all of Jesus. And you're saying, oh, I'm at the park. And you go to church and, so the, and you get a little splash. And you're like, oh, my God, this is great. Oh, but what God's looking for. It's people that want to have a personal relationship with him and treat him as his best friend. So that, God, I want all of you. I don't want a part of you. I want you to have all of me. And so, God, I want to get in there and I want to put the raincoat on. And I want to have the umbrella out. And I want all of you. I don't want a part of you. I want all of you. I want you plus nothing, God. Drench me with your spirit and take all of me. He's looking for a generation of believers that's willing to do that. And say, I will not stay in a hotel. And say, I know you and I have a relationship with you. I will not stay in the park and say, I got a little splash today and that's all I need. But God, you can take all of me. Take my head, take my body, take all of me. Because I want to live this life for your glory and for your honor. If that's you today and you're recommitting to that today, then let's pray together. Heavenly Father, will you now, will you now accept um, our repentance? All of our repentance. For saying to you, God, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry for, for treating you as, as a program to schedule. God, will you help me, please, to make you my best friend all over again? 
Will you please help me to do that, God? What I want to do is to say to you tonight, God, I apologize for putting you on the periphery and I want you in the center of my life. Take it all. Here I am. Will you use me? Will you use me afresh, God? I don't want to have a party. I don't want to add anything to you. I don't want to look for anybody else to protect me or guide me or or provide direction for me. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus alone. And will you help us all to embrace that? Be aware of how they might try to captivate us and be firmly rooted in you so that we won't drift like a jellyfish, but we will be planted and established in the faith being willing to give a defense for what we believe. Will you raise up a generation of young Christians? Will you raise up a generation of seasoned Christians who think like that and who want to live out their purpose for your glory and for your honor? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Come on, family. Will you put your hands together for God, everybody? Yeah. Yeah.